Hello. Thank you for choosing to listen to this week's Aging with Grace podcast titled Low Energy. It is January. I'm recording this in January. Of course, January is the time of year when many people make resolutions to exercise more and lose weight. One of the gyms here in Lexington, Kentucky has a commercial out there that asks people if they are suffering from low E. (laughs) Of course, the gym thinks calling low energy low E is a cute or cool way to say low energy. The commercial insinuates that if you don't have enough energy, it is because you are out of shape. I googled low E, and it is actually an abbreviation for low emissivity. And low emissivity is a term used to describe a surface condition that emits low levels of radiant thermal energy. All materials absorb, reflect, and emit radiant energy according to Planck's law, but here the primary concern is a special wavelength interval of radiant energy, namely thermal radiation of materials. Low E materials are in doors, windows, roofing, etc. to reduce energy costs. People cannot be low E, however, (laughs) but people can definitely have low energy. I have been there and done that. I remember when my three sons were little and I was working as a teacher, I used to say, I am so tired, I need someone to push me so I can fall into bed. (laughs) I knew the reason for my low energy at that time, but what if you are tired all the time and you don't know the reason? Being an older person is not a reason for having low energy. We don't have less energy as we get older, necessarily, but there may be other reasons related to being older that causes one to have less energy. I know if I don't get enough sleep, I am tired the next day, but after a good night's sleep, I usually have plenty of energy, unless I am sick or coming down with something, of course. I recently learned of some other causes of exhaustion. Yes, while it is true that being out of shape could be one reason, as the gym's low E commercials advertise, there are many more reasons you may feel tired all the time. Here is an article from AARP titled, Seven Reasons You Are Always Tired. What could be the, what could be causing your fatigue and how to fight it is the title by Beth Howard. David Levine feels tired a lot and laments how he rarely makes it to the end of a movie. The 68-year-old Manhattan journalist has a pretty good idea why. A night in the sleep lab showed he had borderline sleep apnea. But certain medications I take, especially Lipitor, makes me even more tired, he says. I went off it for two months and I felt a lot better. Levine is in good company. Research suggests that fatigue, or anergia in medical lingo, runs as high as 50% in people 65 and older, compared with rates in the general population, which range from 20 to 25%. Yet fatigue is not a natural consequence of aging, says Barbara Resnick, co-director of the Biology and Behavior Across the Lifespan Organized Research Center at the University of Maryland School of Nursing. It's more related to the changes that occur due to age, like muscle atrophy from lack of exercise and commonly commonly associated diseases. Fatigue is common when you're fighting any kind of illness, from infections to autoimmune disorders. Some treatments, such as chemotherapy, are notoriously exhausting. And, of course, fatigue is also a symptom of COVID-19, 
although it's usually accompanied by more telling signs like fever and chills, even in minor cases of the disease caused by the coronavirus. Beyond that, all of us feel tired some of the time, says Susan Salomon, MD, Assistant Professor of Geriatric Medicine and Primary Care at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. Usually it goes away, either with sleep or time. But if unexplained fatigue continues for more than a few weeks, it's time to figure out what's causing it. Here are some of the likely suspects. Keep in mind, though, that more than one cult culprit may be responsible. Number one, your medications are sapping your energy. Older adults take a lot of medications, and a lot of these medications tend to make people feel tired, explains Brenda Wind Windermuth, director of the Adult Gerontology Primary Care Nurse Practitioner Program at the University of Maryland School of Nursing. Chief among these, certain antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, sedatives, antihistamines, steroids, and blood pressure and cholesterol medications. Antipsychotics, pain meds, seizure drugs, and chemotherapy also stir up trouble. Others, like diuretics, contribute to exhaustion by disturbing your sleep. Not all drugs cause the same effects in all people, Salomon says. If a person has started a new medicine and they notice fatigue, they should report this to the doctor. Sometimes just moving the drug to the evening or lowering the dose can help, but sometimes you need to change to a different medicine. She recommends always bringing all your medicines, prescription and over-the-counter, to your office visits so your doctor can check doses and duplicates. Levine was able to take a lower dose of his cholesterol drug and still get its benefits. Although he still feels somewhat tired, he's decided to stay on it. The trade-off is worth it, he says. I'm a tennis player and I don't want to drop dead on the court. Number two, your sleep hygiene may need improvement. Many of us simply aren't getting enough slumber and are paying the price the next day. Poor sleep habits are often to, to blame. If you're lying in bed and can't fall asleep, Resnick advises, get up and do something until you feel tired and then go back and try again. The other really big mistake people make is that they expect to lie around all day and then be able to sleep at night, she observes. You only want to spend time in bed when it's sleep time. Some people like to control the world from their bed. Other advice, maintain a regular sleep pattern and avoid alcohol at night. Consider keeping a sleep diary to help you identify factors like foods, drinks, and medicines that may be keeping you from solid slumber. Keep in mind that as you get older, you may not require the seven to nine hours you used to, Windemuth says. Obstructive sleep apnea is another culprit. Patients experience as many as 30 awakenings an hour when the soft tissues of the throat relax and obstruct the airway during sleep. As a result, they feel exhausted the next day. Loud snoring is a clue. Spending the night in a sleep lab can confirm the diagnosis. The standard treatment, a continuous positive air pressure CPAP machine, involves wearing a mask over the nose to force air into the throat and keep the airways open. Number three, you're missing key nutrients. People over 50 are more likely to experience nutrient deficiencies, especially vitamins B12 and D, iron and folic acid that cause fatigue, 
If your doctor suspects a deficiency, she'll send you for a blood test and you may need a supplement. Number four, you're anemic. This means that your blood has too few red cells or those cells have too little hemoglobin, which transports oxygen through the bloodstream. The result, fatigue. A simple blood test provides a diagnosis after which your physician will investigate possible reasons for you for the anemia and may put you on iron pills. There are three main reasons older adults become anemic. Kidney disease is one. If your kidneys are not working properly, they may not be able to help your body make the red blood cells it needs. It can also be due to blood loss from somewhere, usually along the gastrointestinal tract, Resnick says, or it's in the bone marrow, which could be due to a malignancy. Number five, you have a heart or pulmonary problem. Cardiac issues, including heart failure, coronary artery disease, valvular heart disease, asthma, and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, are among the most common causes of fatigue in older people. Heart disease can cause the heart to pump blood less efficiently and fluid to build up in the lungs. This, in turn, results in shortness of breath and less oxygen supply to the heart and lungs. So be sure to follow doctor's orders when it comes to treatment. Number six, you're anxious or depressed. Depression, being alone, and other psychosocial issues are a huge factor in older people. Windermuth says, people are losing friends and spouses. They're being uprooted from their homes or going into assisted living. That can lead to fatigue. Antidepressant medications are sometimes the answer. We also encourage people to go out, become more involved, and find things that they really enjoy doing, Windermuth says. Paradoxically, exercise can make a huge difference. The best thing for fatigue is physical activity. No matter, no matter what the underlying problem, Resnick says, the goal should be 30 minutes daily of moderate level activity. Playing tennis has been a lifesaver for Levine, helping him to keep up his energy level. If I exercise in the afternoon, I feel better, he says. Number seven, COVID and other viruses could be the culprit. When COVID-19 symptoms linger longer after a patient's initial illness, fatigue is a very common complaint. Estimates of the prevalence are variable, but some sources suggest that more than 50% of all COVID survivors are affected by persistent fatigue, says John Barretta, MD, founder and co-director of the UNC COVID Recovery Clinic at UNC Health in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. In our long COVID clinic, over 90% are troubled by this symptom. Before treating the fatigue, doctors first investigate other potential factors that may be contributing to extreme tiredness, such as sleep apnea, depression, and chronic pain says Benjamin Abramoff, MD, head of the post-COVID assessment and recovery clinic at Penn Medicine in Philadelphia. Then you may be prescribed physical therapy or a graded exercise program where the duration and intensity of activity is gradually increased. Both can improve stamina, but it's important to pace yourself to avoid exacerbating symptoms or risking relapse, Beretta says. We have also found benefits from certain medications such as antidepressants and stimulants in certain situations, Beretta adds. These include certain antidepressants in the SSRI, 
that means selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor class, and stimulants like those used to treat attention deficit disorder. If you're suffering from fatigue related to long COVID or other viruses, ask your doctor about such strategies or consider making an appointment at a post-COVID clinic. These programs typically take a multidisciplinary approach to treating the disease's lasting symptoms, fatigue included. And that's the end of the article from AARP. I think instead of blaming COVID only, the article should have blamed, blamed any type of virus, including colds and flus. There are millions of different kinds of viruses out there, and I don't think we have a name for each of them, but they all make us tired. The article also didn't address chronic fatigue syndrome, also known as myalgic encephalomyelitis chronic fatigue syndrome, or MACFS for short. MACFS is the most common between the ages of 40 to 60 and requires a battery of tests to diagnose. Some physicians have not been educated about MACFS and are therefore not qualified to diagnose MACFS. Another cause of fatigue is seasonal affective disorder, which is common this time of year here in Kentucky. We don't have very much sun. The days are shorter, of course, everywhere, but here in Kentucky, we have mostly cloudy days in the winter. It's depressing. Everything looks dead, and we don't even have snow usually. I think snow brightens things up. If it does snow here, it melts away in just a few days. We mostly just get cold rain and maybe ice. Anyway, seasonal affective disorder is a real thing and can cause people to feel tired because they're depressed. Another reason for low energy is the lack of vitamin D. The article addressed the lack of key nutrients, including vitamin D, as one cause of low energy. And of course, we get vitamin D from the sun and other sources. But did you know that after the age of 65, we don't absorb vitamin D from the sun as readily as we did when we were younger? And the sun is not strong enough here in Kentucky in the winter to give us enough vitamin D, even if it was out every day, and even if we were young enough to absorb it. <laughs> a lamp that mimics the sunlight spectrum may help. I bought one, and I think it is helping Michael. He has never been diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, but after living with him for several years, I'm pretty sure he has it. <laughs> he used to always go to the tropics this time of year, but that just isn't doable right now. He was in retail before he retired, so January was usually the best time to go on a vacation. I was a teacher before I began aging with grace, and January was the time to accomplish great things with my classes. <laughs> I have always thought of January as a time for improvement. I'm working hard this January to ensure that others can age with grace if they choose to use our services. We are growing and constantly hiring new people here at Aging with Grace, which means we have a lot to do. We have a lot of training and learning to train better and improve as a management team ourselves. I shared with you in the podcast about our training video that one of our company values is to be constantly improving, and improvement takes work. January is the time for working. In addition to improving, it's a time for getting our finances in order so we can do our taxes. So January, in my mind, is a time for working, improving, and getting my financial affairs in order. It's not a time for a vacation, and I've never been a fan of working vacations. I think vacations should be a time of total rest. Emails and texts and phone calls and computer projects should be put on hold during a true vacation. I've tried working while on a trip, and it's just not fun to me. It's stressful, and of course, one cannot train someone remotely. 
not adequately anyway. I'm in charge of training clubhouse staff. Statistics show that students fell dramatically behind in their education during the COVID shutdown, which made people have to do remote learning. So I have a lot. So I I don't think it's a great way to learn either. So I have a lot of energy right now, and I'm planning on using it to make Aging with Grace better and better and better. I plan to use my weekends for having a little fun, though, for little mini vacations, if you will. (laughs) Last weekend, we went to the Crone Conservatory in Cincinnati. It was like a visit to the tropics. This weekend, I want to go to the Newport Aquarium. And the weekend after that, I would like to go see the Ark. It's been several years since we visited Jungle Gyms in Cincinnati, but that would be another fun trip. I've learned not to try to do too much in a single day. That makes me tired. So we're only going to do one of those sightseeing ventures per weekend. I guess we could spend the night, but it's only an hour away, an hour and a half away, and I have to use one weekend day to do laundry and to catch up on other work. As I discussed in my podcast titled, Taking One Day Off Per Week is Healthy, we need a day of rest once a week, and going on a trip or doing housework is not being restful. I have found through trial and error that I need a day of total nothingness once a week or so, and if I don't get that day of total rest when I need it, I stay tired and I'm more susceptible to catching whatever virus is going around. So some weekends I don't have the energy to go on a trip. And that's okay. I think it's enjoyable to have a day of nothing. I think of my energy as a bank account, but instead of money in my account, I have energy in my body. Sometimes I have an energy overdraft, and it takes a while to replenish my energy funds. (laughs) And I have to pay an energy overdraft penalty of feeling too tired for a while. (laughs) So I have to be careful not to overdraft. One of the ways I put energy funds into my account, my body, is physical exercise, including aerobic and muscle building and sleep and rest, a balance of both physical exertion and rest. Of course, we need the proper fuel to give us energy. We need foods and liquids without a lot of sugar and chemicals added, and we need protein. I think as people get older, they think they don't need as much protein, but everyone needs protein no matter what their age. Speaking of what we eat and drink and how it relates to our energy levels, I came across this article from an organization in Ireland called the Health Service Executive. The Health Service Executive, H. SE for short, is a large organization of over 100,000 people whose job it is to run all of the public health services in Ireland. The HSE manages services through a structure designed to put patients and clients at the center of the organization. This article is titled, Tend to Feel Low After Drinking? Here are seven reasons why. Number one, alcohol is a depressant. One of the times when alcohol's impact on mental health is the most obvious is the morning after drinking, especially if you have drunk too much the previous day, whether that has been over a long or short period. Why is this? Alcohol is a depressant, which affects your brain's natural level of happiness chemicals like serotonin and dopamine. This means that although you'll feel an initial boost the night before, the next day you will be deficient in these same chemicals which may lead to feeling anxious, down, or depressed, or tired. Number two, hangovers are really tough on your health. You can begin to feel low from the physical effect of a hangover, including tiredness, 
headache, sensitivity to light caused by acetyl acetyl to acetyl hide, which makes the nervous system extra sensitive, thirst, and bad breath. It can also include trembling caused by low blood sugar as alcohol impacts the liver and sickness. Alcohol increases acid in your stomach, making you feel sick or vomit, making the day after drinking particularly unpleasant. Number three, it can cause anxiety, even if you've never had it before. People tend to drink more when experiencing moderate to high levels of shyness or fear, and those who suffer from anxiety can be tempted to use alcohol to help cope with it. Initially, you may feel like it provides relief to some symptoms as it depresses the central nervous system, but it can worsen these symptoms in the long run. Drinking to relieve stress can, in the long term, worsen that stress, intensifying anxiety and irritability after drinking. As it leaves the body, alcohol's effect, effects on brain chemistry can cause the symptoms of anxiety and panic attacks, even in people who never suffered anxiety. Number four, it can intensify negative emotions. Alcohol can release pent-up emotions or make feelings of anger and frustration feel more intense, which can cause an impact on your health, friendships, family, and work. It can bring about changes in our thinking, and we can often experience frustration when we discover our foggy brain doesn't allow us to think as clearly as normal. Similar to its impact, impact on anxiety, not only can alcohol worsen depression, it can actually cause it too. When the effects of alcohol wear off, it changes our brain chemistry for the worse. In fact, people who drink heavily are more likely to suffer from depression and alcohol dependence is roughly three times more likely among people with depression. Number five, it can negatively affect your sleep. A good night's sleep restores our body and minds and is vital to minding your mental and physical health. Because alcohol is a depressant, it makes you sleepy at times, but the sleep you get after drinking is of a much lower quality than the sleep you get when you are not drinking. This is because alcohol can reduce the amount of rapid eye movement, REM sleep, you get, leaving you feeling drowsy, low in energy, and you may find it harder to concentrate the next day. Number six, it stops you from developing healthy coping mechanisms. It is worthwhile to learn healthy coping mechanisms in response to emotions like stress, sadness, and anger that do not involve or rely on alcohol. One of the most effective ways of doing this is to get the right support for your individual needs. In fact, a study by the HSE into alcohol-related harm found that those who were engaged in regular heavy drinking were less likely to use positive coping strategies when dealing with anxiety and depression. If a person repeatedly turns to alcohol when their mood deteriorates, they miss out on the opportunity of discovering the other, more effective ways of dealing with unpleasant moods. Learning new ways to cope can make us stronger, healthier, and happier in the long term. Number seven, blackouts can be an indicator of something more. Following a heavy drinking session, many people can experience blackouts, especially if they have drunk quickly or on an empty stomach, both of which can lead to a rapid rise in blood alcohol concentration, BAC. Blackouts are defined as loss of memory during which a person is capable of participating in dialogue, emotionally charged events, as well as mundane events, 
that they cannot later remember. Waking up and not remembering how you got home, what you said, or how you behaved can result in intense fear and anxiety levels of distress lasting days. Blackouts are a sign of a drinking problem, and if you're experiencing them, the advice is to self-assess your drinking pattern or to seek professional help. And that's the end of the article from the HSC. Believe it or not, I used to be a heavy drinker when I was a teenager. I almost died from drinking too much alcohol, alcohol toxicity. And once I experienced a blackout, I couldn't remember the end of a party or driving home from a party when I was 18 years old. I decided to stop drinking so much after that. And I didn't drink at all during my childbearing years for years and years. Now I have a beer or a mixed drink on special occasions, but not very often. If you are a regular drinker and you are tired all the time, I recommend not drinking at all for a period of time and see how you feel. If you are a regular heavy drinker, though, stopping altogether suddenly may be a shock to your system and you should work with a doctor who specializes in helping a person stop drinking. I'm not offering medical advice in this podcast, just food for thought. I'm just offering information in hopes that it will inspire you or you can tell someone you know and hopefully you or, and they will want to learn more. I do hope that after you learn more, you can put what you have learned into action so you can have more energy. We can accomplish great things and make this world a better place when we have energy. So with that positive thought in mind, I am signing off, wishing you a week of making happy memories. Bye for now. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the last episode. For more information, please go to agingwithgraceinfo.org. That's agingwithgraceinfo.org. Thank you. The Health Club for Seniors is your kind of place. So come and join us and 